0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we covered the topic of vaginal cancer found under the oncology section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 62-year-old woman presents with abnormal vaginal bleeding. She underwent menopause at the age of 50. Pelvic exam is unremarkable. Vaginal cytology is abnormal, and she undergoes vaginal colposcopy. A biopsy is taken which is positive for vaginal squamous cell carcinoma. Let's continue with an introduction to vaginal cancer. As a general overview, remember that this refers to malignancy affecting the vagina. The most common histologic type is squamous cell carcinoma, and it is most commonly secondary to squamous cell carcinoma of the cervix. In terms of the epidemiology, remember that this comprises about 3% of all malignancies involving the female genital tract and mean age of diagnosis is about 60 years old. Risk factors include human papillomavirus infection, extension from malignant cervical disease, and diethylstilbestrol, or DES, which is associated with adenocarcinoma of the vagina. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms will most commonly include vaginal bleeding. This may be postcoital, intermenstrual, or postmenopausal. On exam, one may note a vaginal mass, In terms of further studies, lab studies include vaginal cytology. Invasive studies may include vaginal colposcopy, which is performed if cytology is abnormal, and vaginal biopsy, which helps to confirm the diagnosis. In terms of the histology, squamous cell carcinoma is the most common histological type. Clear cell adenocarcinoma is secondary to DES exposure in utero. It typically presents in women less than 20 years of age. The third histologic type is sarcoma botryoides. Remember that botrys is Greek for grapes. This affects girls that are less than four years of age. It appears as a polypoid or grape-like mass that emerges from the vagina, and it contains spindle-shaped cells that are positive for desmin. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about cervical cancer, with differentiating factors being that there will be evidence of dysplastic or malignant cells in the cervix only. In terms of treatment, Remember that treatment planning should be individualized depending upon the location, size, and clinical stage of the tumor. And lastly, treatment-related complications include rectal and vaginal strictures, as well as urethral, bladder, and or rectal injury. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to vaginal cancer, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 62-year-old woman presents to the clinic for postmenopausal bleeding for the past month. She reports that the bleeding often occurs after intercourse with her husband. The patient denies fever, weight loss, chills, chest pain, abdominal pain, or shortness of breath, but endorses mild dyspareunia and vaginal discharge. Her past medical history is significant for human papillomavirus and cervical cancer that was treated with surgical resection and radiation five years ago. Physical exam is unremarkable except for an irregular mass protruding from the vaginal wall. What is the most likely explanation for this patient's condition? And the answer choices are Choice 1 atrophy of vaginal tissues secondary to old age, Choice 2 metastasis of cervical cancer via direct extension, Choice 3 metastasis of cervical cancer via hematogenous spread. Choice 4, primary malignancy of vaginal squamous cells. Or choice 5, primary malignancy of endometrial cells. The best answer to this question is choice 2, metastasis of cervical cancer via direct extension. This patient likely has squamous cell carcinoma of the vagina, given the postmenopausal bleeding, dyspareunia, and vaginal discharge in the setting of prior cervical cancer. The majority of vaginal malignancies are metastatic, and in this case, most likely resulted from direct local extension of her cervical cancer. Vaginal cancers occur in approximately 1 in 100,000 women, and are typically of squamous cell histology. Similar to cervical cancer, most cases are mediated by human papillomavirus infections. The most common clinical presentation of vaginal cancer is vaginal bleeding. Typically postcoital or postmenopausal. Other presentations include a vaginal mass, urinary symptoms such as frequency, dysuria, and hematuria, and/or gastrointestinal symptoms such as constipation. Diagnosis is confirmed via biopsy. Treatment depends on the stage, and it may involve surgery, radiation, or chemotherapy. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one. Atrophy of vaginal tissues secondary to old age can be a benign cause for postmenopausal bleeding and dyspareunia. However, in a patient with a history of cervical cancer, vaginal cancer should be at the top of the differential. In addition, vaginal atrophy would not present with the mass. Choice 3. Metastasis of cervical cancer via hematogenous spread is unlikely as the cancer spreads to the vagina via local extension. Hematogenous spread often occurs in cases of breast, ovarian, or renal cancers. Choice 4. Primary malignancy of vaginal squamous cells is unlikely as primary cancer of the vagina is extremely rare. In a patient with a history of cervical cancer, metastasis is more likely. Choice 5. Primary malignancy of endometrial cells is unlikely as this patient has a mass at the vaginal canal. Finally, a bullet summary. Squamous cell carcinoma of the vagina often occurs via metastasis of other primary cancers via either local extension, such as from the cervix, vulva, and endometrium, or lymphatic or hematogenous spread, such as from the breast, ovary, and kidney. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 29-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician with vaginal discharge. The patient states that for the past month, she has experienced a worsening malodorous vaginal discharge and bleeding after sexual intercourse. The patient has a past medical history of polycystic ovarian syndrome and is currently taking metformin. She was recently worked up for infertility by her obstetrician. She recently underwent a hysterosalpingogram, which demonstrated a T-shaped uterus. Her temperature is 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit, or 37.5 degrees Celsius blood pressure is 137 over 78, pulse is 90 beats per minute, respirations are 17 breaths per minute, and oxygen saturation is 98% on room air. Physical exam demonstrates an irregular mass in the vagina and coarse hair over the patient's upper lip. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are choice one, clear cell adenocarcinoma, choice two, lichen sclerosis, choice 3, normal ovarian cycle, choice 4, post vaginal bleeding from trauma, or choice 5, squamous cell carcinoma. The best answer to this question is choice 1, clear cell adenocarcinoma. This patient is presenting with symptoms suggestive of clear cell adenocarcinoma. Clear cell adenocarcinoma typically presents in women who were exposed to diethylstilbestrol, or DES, in utero. Patients can have a T-shaped uterus. Symptoms include malodorous vaginal discharge, postcoital vaginal bleeding, and an irregular mass or plaque in the vagina. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 2. Lichen sclerosis presents with white, cigarette paper skin in the vagina that is highly paritic. It is a risk factor for vaginal cancer. Choice 3. Normal ovarian cycle would present with spotting and clots per the vagina in a regular monthly fashion. Choice 4. Postcoital vaginal bleeding from trauma would present with vaginal soreness and bleeding after sexual intercourse. Choice 5. Squamous cell carcinoma of the vagina would present with vaginal bleeding and a mass in the vagina. However, it would not be associated with a T-shaped uterus. Finally, a bullet summary. Clear cell adenocarcinoma of the vagina Presents with a malodorous vaginal discharge, postcoital vaginal bleeding, and an irregular mass or plaque in the vagina secondary to DES exposure in utero. That's all for this review about vaginal cancer. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 Podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow. Right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.